Hi, this is Nadia Natali. I have written a memoir called Stairway to Paradise, Growing Up Gershwin. And I am talking to Janet O'Shea, who has just recently written a book called Risk, Failure, Play, What Dance Reveals About Martial Arts Training. Hi, Nadia. Well, this um, interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so kind of an interesting point of departure, I think, um, talking about our books, um, because yours is a memoir, mine's more of, in a sense, what I might call an ethnographic memoir, mm -hmm. um, because I'm taking little snippets of individual experience and then reading out. So yes. I was thinking, you know, one of the things we could talk about is sort of the similarities and the differences, the delving into personal experience, but then also looking at, you know, the choice to use a memoir format versus memoir as a point of departure. So maybe that's a place that we could begin. I guess one of the things that struck me is, you know, um, with, with your book, you're looking at a kind of wide range of life experiences, you know, from your childhood through traveling to Ojai to building a space. Um, and I made a kind of different decision to look at these very intense kinds of sport fighting experiences, you know, these super in, intense artificial issues of disagreement, these kinds of points of, um, you know, very small snippets, snippets of interaction between people. Um, hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just think that's an interesting kind of thing is the different things that memoir can do, like it can give us the whole big picture of someone's life. And then it can also like delve into these little micro kinds of interactions. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was just wondering if you had any reflections around that. Um, I well, my memoir had has a sense of a journey of, of a building towards something. And I even noticed yours did uh, as well. Um, on some level, there was a kind of a building towards, and I, I, I don't know if I could even articulate it probably as well as you could. Uh, mine, I think, is it has several layers to it. Um, just the personal vision of uh, how I left what I left to find a way of working with people through movement, and how that, um, how that happened because of, in a way what I was leaving behind forced me to grow in a way, uh, develop and journey in a way that um, pushed me to something that was quite new. And um, your work sounds like it's quite, I, I mean, it's both very old <laughs> and in a way new from the way you're describing it. Uh, and I, I'm sure you, have your, you ha had a sense of your own journey through this too. As, if you would like to elaborate on that. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think it's right. In, in writing this book, I kind of had a moment of like, you know, martial arts memoirs almost always lead up to the fight, you know, the uh -huh. big sport fight. And yeah. um, I had that thing of like, so is that what I'm going to do? And kind of thought about that, like, oh, that would be kind of interesting, you know, to, to like step between the ropes and like do that and then see what happens. And and there are a couple of confounding factors. I mean, one was that I got injured, something totally unrelated to martial arts that kind of mm. slowed me down a little bit and, um, uh, you know, various other kinds of considerations. But what I realized was that, like, I didn't think one fight would tell me 
anything that I didn't already know from training. Uh-huh. Um, and so I had this moment of like, oh, it's not going to lead to the big fight because what I'm interested in mm. is actually what people do on the mat together. Um, and so I guess that maybe is sort of, on the one hand, I decided not to trace the obvious journey, but then I did instead focus in on what people do together and how people create spaces and how they create relationships of trust, even when what they're doing is taking a lot of risks with each other. Um, And so I suppose in a sense, that's another commonality between what we're looking at is like how people have these really intense experiences together, you know, have really arduous experiences, you know, situations where like fulfilling experiences aren't always pleasant at the time, you know, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and how how those experiences like create bonds between people yeah so i'm hearing your um your weight of the uh of coordination and you know push and pull in a relationship and my whole my whole book is about relationship also whether it's about my relationship with my family which you know moved me into you know rejecting them for a different kind of a life and then moving into this uh, dance work that I do, which I call dance medicine. And I, I do little mini workshops or I do one day workshops with, um, with people working through movement. And a lot of it is, is, um, solo, you know, they'll work, they'll dance each individually in, in a room, uh, and there can be engagement in that respect. It sounds quite the opposite, but the whole movement towards relationship in that day sounds very similar because as, as to what you were describing where um you know people are are becoming relational with each other whether it whether one's talking about themselves personally the others are in, are supporting and are interacting in a, in a way that's um very delicate and yet very profound so there's that very sense of what i'm hearing with you is a very you know, the intensity and the subtlety that that's underneath it all, if, if that rings true to you. It, it does ring true. Yeah. And I think that's one of the um, hidden delights of sport fighting, really, is that like from the outside, it looks so aggressive, you know, um, mm-hmm. it looks so violent that people are hitting each other. People are allowing themselves to be hit, to be kicked, to be taken down. Um but there's so much delicacy in a way that goes mm-hmm. into that. Mm-hmm. And there's so much care and attention, you know, it's precisely because it's so risky that you're taking such risks with other people's bodies and with your own that um, the parameters have to be so clearly designated and so much has to be worked out in that process that it's a really fascinating way of looking at how people interact with each other in a way it's a really interesting model for looking at how people can interact with each other so Um, I think oddly that's a similarity in a sense yeah I I, as a therapist like to help people learn to um, handle discomfort Mm -hmm. this is where you're speaking from and when you get into a ring like that and if you can and and the same thing about trust I mean you mentioned that uh, it was pretty important, and it's also very important in my workshops and very important in relationship. I think it's actually the bottom of maybe it's the bottom of all relationship for even love to 
to grow from if there is that sense of trust. And if you can actually bump up against each other and come out and uh, and still stay relational, I think that's actually a very therapeutic moment because most people mm-hmm. run, they split, they fight, they in the trauma world, it's, you know, it's either run, fight, you know, fight or flight or feign death, uh, you know, fold. And most people, that's what they've learned to do from early on. And so I, it's really interesting to hear what you're doing. You're actually allowing or giving an opportunity for yourself and other people to play that out and still remain whole and grounded. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's really interesting, um, you know, it may be a little bit of a tangent, but when you speaking about trauma work, um, there's really interesting work being done in terms of martial arts and healing, mm. martial arts, self-defense and healing, and like talking about all those things about how, you know, because martial arts, you know, and, and sport fighting has so much to do with consent. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. I have a group of colleagues who work on a project called Love Fighting Hate Violence, and their whole thing is about looking at consent within sport fighting and, and how important it is that both people are come in and agree to certain parameters and they agree mm-hmm. to what they're doing. Um, but because it does work so um, ideally, you know, ideally it works very consciously with consent. It can be very useful for working through trauma and people have, you know, done a lot of writing and they've done a lot of, you know, uh, workshop based stuff on like how martial arts can be healing because, yeah. because of that, you know, that it yeah. can help people work through trauma as they, work as you say in relation with other people and also as they work with developing their own sense of mastery and accepting their own vulnerability and that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. well being able to be vulnerable is a, a strength <laughs> yes yes exactly yeah, exactly. yeah it's, it's so weird because it seems like the opposite um you know the the question i always have not only with what you're talking about, but what I do with my workshops, and I do try to follow up, is, is actually what I'm going to say, is what kind of follow up, and is there some ability to have your students and people whom you're working with, um, as well as I with my students, whether um, they can find a tool to take home with them that they can use in their own life and then in their own relationships in their own home, that they're, you know, outside this the studio right yeah yeah I don't that's know a really good question yeah I mean I would be uh, very interested in that I, being a therapist that would be one of my concerns and that's not your work <laughs> so I don't think right, you'd have the same right. concern but I would imagine there might be some overlap there where um you know this is in order to be in relationship you need to be able to play and I like that you use that word uh even if it's uh, um, something strenuous and painful, you need to be able to work with the other person. Otherwise, there's no relationship. Right, right, and exactly, and exactly. And I think you know part of what I'm getting at in this book is that the play, the devices of play, are what allow us to actually get in there with something difficult. Right. You know, um, yeah. and and structuring certain things as play allows us to explore them and manage them in ways that we wouldn't really be able to do just by confronting it directly. Or I shouldn't say wouldn't be able to, but it's much harder to do it by confronting it directly. Yeah. Um, we take ourselves so seriously and, and, and we have to step out of that and be able to play with another. And so I like that for both 
uh, the kind of work you do and, and the kind of work I do. It, it allows you to take risks that you wouldn't normally, because you're in a sense, you're not using your own sense of self or ego. That it usually gets put aside, I imagine, especially if you're working on something so difficult as the work, the, the sport that you do. I don't know if you call it difficult, but I'm sure it is strenuous. <laughs> It's strenuous, and then it is emotionally difficult. I mean, that's like, you know, there's all these things that get talked about in martial arts as like no ego, inhabiting the eye of the storm. Um, uh-huh. And those things are all talked about as as truisms. And like a lot of yeah. truisms, you know, they're true, right? A good sport fighter has to be able to be in the midst of this maelstrom of experience and sensation um, and, you know, a, a really intense emotional reality and stay calm. But like the thing I got, I'm interested in is like, well, how does that work? And, and why does it work? And isn't it amazing that it does sometimes work? Well, so, I think that the only yeah. way, um, you know, thinking is what holds, conception is what holds uh, ego and self. And when you're really past that, because you're just in survival or in the zone or whatever, that does disappear. You don't have to make it disappear. But I, I think a lot of people, you know, they come back and they don't know what happened and they don't see the value of it and they think, they have to, they, then their ego, you know, you step out of the ring, I would imagine, or um, after a session. And sometimes, it, with, you know, I'm sure in any case, you know, your ego comes back in. And that's going to always happen. I think we always have to have a sense of humor about it rather than judge it or criticize it. Ego is there. We can't get rid of it. If you have a thought process, it, it, it incorporates ego. I don't For know if I want to just too far. Yeah, no, 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 it's not at all. I think it's, I think that's very interesting. And I mean, that whole question of like being in the zone, being in the moment and, and what that does, but then how do you take, like, I think one of your questions is like, how do you take that forward? And mm-hmm. for me, the, the, my short answer to that is, you know, I think there's really interesting questions. Like I'm kind of jumping back to one of your questions of like, once you have that training session, you have that sparring session where people open themselves up and they make themselves vulnerable to their own failure um, and they test their limitations, then what do you do to carry that forward so that does something? Well, I do good? have, I have a, um, a couple of answers to that, that I'm not saying is the, the be all and the end all, end all or whatever, <laughs> but um, uh-huh. one of the things is, in, especially in the work I do, is for a, um, a client to uh, experience a resource. So in, in, let's say in your case, you would say, um, and somatically, so we're going into the body and this is where we do really overlap a lot. Uh, my work mm-hmm. is somatic. And so what I would say to someone, or I, I recommend or suggest is in the moment as I'm working with them, where, where did you feel that sense of elation or where do you feel that sense of groundedness in your body? Then I, I, we do dances where um, they're not choreographed at all. It's all free expression. And then I, I, will, I will have them dance uh, a sense of resourcefulness or something that's positive or, or strong or even vulnerability. I'll, 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 I'll do that too. But the next dance I may give is one of a, a challenge where they lose that. And I say, so I want you to be able to re- return to the somatic experience of what you felt in the first dance and bring it with you so that you actually pendulate from the and from the good experience from the resourceful one to the the challenging one okay 
And this gives the nervous system an opportunity to know that it has somewhere to go when some challenge occurs. I don't know if you could follow that, if I said that. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so th that's the work I do. That's sort of the ground where I give people um, tools to find something somatically in their body that they can take with them. And ha they have to experience it, and we have to go over it and over it again. It's not just something you can – and you have to have the intention. You have to be interested. And, I, you know, in the work you do, it sounds like people have very high intentions or strong intentions. You wouldn't put yourself in that position unless you right. did. But right. the intention really needs to be clear and it needs to be subtleized, I would imagine, so that it isn't just a, I want to be strong and win or whatever, but that there's a sense of 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 um, coherence in the whole body and, and with the other person. And to know yes. what that feels like when you're in or out of the ring, I, you say the ring, right? When you're in or out, or whether you're in a dance or out, so that when you leave here or you leave your place, they can carry something with them. That would be, that's that's my interest. I don't know if it's yours, mm -hmm. but that's, 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 as a therapist working with people, that's what I try to offer. Right, yeah, I mean, I th and I think it's, it, these are all really interesting points. Um, like I think for me, um, having a, good, a couple of good rounds of sparring is one thing, um, but that question of like, how do you take something from it? And for yeah. me, what works really well is when, as part of the class or as part of the sparring practice, people actually have a discussion and talk about like, oh, okay, so what worked, what didn't, what were the moments that, you know, when they sort of analyze the fight um, and, and talk about like, okay, what can I improve upon? What was I like, when were, when were the moments of where I was coming up against the same obstacle and not changing my patterns, you know? And when were the times where I was coming up against the same obstacle and I was changing my patterns? And um, so I, I wonder to right me, that there, kind of, I, I, I wonder right there where, you know, can you feel that place in your body would be what would excite me uh -huh. um, rather than just answering as a thought or a memory. So you get the memory, you say, what did you experience when you were at that place? What did that feel like? What was it like when you did that experience? I would imagine it would be more, it would bring in the, the somatic as well as the, the thought or the memory. Well, I think so. It. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think it's so visceral that you, you can't help but bring in the somatic in this particular case, you know? Yeah, um, of course. You're because, right. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's so physicalized and that almost what becomes a challenge afterwards is to try to recreate it and go like oh oh that thing um like one of my uh what yes. not really one of my instructors but um an instructor i've been fortunate to train with um burton richardson he he talked about this experience like when he first started learning brazilian jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. that he would he would grapple and then you know he'd walk to his car and he'd be driving home and then he'd go like oh that was how that person got me in that chokehold, you know? Mm -hmm. And then like, and the process gradually became, you know, oh, I'd figure it out on the walk to the car. And mm -hmm. then like, mm -hmm. I'd figure it out as I was leaving the mat. And I just love that. I think that's just a beautiful description of like how the learning process happens. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Marshall, yes. and a lot of other things where it's like, yes. you have that experience of being totally in the moment. And then, and then gradually you start to re to connect um, your your kind of ability to make sense of it in yes. the moment while not losing being in the moment. Yeah, um, so that to and, me and is kind of, the, 
bringing those two things together is, yeah. is very exciting. I agree. And yeah. I think it's a back and forth thing. And, and I think that things like yoga, I think, started with people having experiences and then they went, oh, I was in this position when and then they they try to, you know, have people go. I personally am not a person who cares for yoga, <laughs> but um, they go into that position from the wrong place. They don't go into it naturally as an authentic, you know, way it emerged as from the body, but from an idea. But I agree with you completely. I think we go from experience. We then come out and have some kind of a story around it, um, a con concept or whatever, however, for example, that teachers whom you were just referring to, you were explaining. Mm -hmm. And then you go back and you go back and forth. It's a back and forth thing. Um, it has to be. You can't just right. be all somatic or all thinking. It's, it's a real, it, I mean, that in and of itself is a relationship that one has to develop. You know, right. honor, right. It's like it's another person, you know, you have to, yeah. Um, yeah, for okay. sure, for sure. And I think that's, you know, um, it's sometimes what's really amazing is when those two things, um, the sort of being fully in the moment in that flow state where one can have that and at the mm -hmm. same time mm -hmm. be strategically analyzing. Yes. And sometimes that's, yes. that's really amazing. And then sometimes yes. it's really important to separate those two things. Yep. You know, um, and to be able to move back and forth between them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And they both can occur at the same time. And it's a it's a, just a wow moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is a, a total change of topic, but I just wanted to throw it out there because I, I thought it was interesting, which is that I'm, um, you know, uh, reading your book and rereading my own. Another thing that jumped out to me was that um, another theme is the importance of space. And how a space mm. comes into being through what people do there. Um, and, you know, I think particularly when you were talking about kind of um, building your home space in this, mm. is it a national park or, you know, sort yes. of yeah. Uh, yeah, national park area um, and then kind of creating these different, creating the reservoir, creating the, the house. Um, and I was thinking, you know, a lot of what I was writing about has to do with like the devotion to these training spaces and what goes into their maintenance and preserving oh, them wow and, yes. you know and the devotion very critical yes. I mean, yes and i was thinking yeah that just is really potentially interesting thematic overlap yes and in our case we we're in the national forest and we are off the grid and another mile beyond any dirt, we're on a dirt road for one mile off the blacktop so we have no electricity and so on. And we couldn't even enter our, our property when we first moved out here. It was so thick with chaparral. And then, of course, we, we developed it. But the interesting thing, and I think this is going to relate to what you're referring to, is that we, we had such regard for the space that we allowed it to tell us what it wanted. And so we were in a very deep personal relationship with the, with the property. It, it, you know, where the house was going to be built, it was sort of revealed to us. I, I should say my husband more than me um, had these uh, experiences, although I, I was more of the internal in the house part. And the kind of what you do with the space and what it gives back to you is just like having a spar. I mean, it's a relationship and it's very, very important and it develops trust. I think this is what you're maybe alluding to, but there's a sense of trust and respect and 
um, safety that's really, really important wherever you go and what you need to have of your space and what other people may feel when they come to it. That can be at the base of what you're offering after that. Right? Is that what you're referring to? Am I with you? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yes. I mean, I, okay. it's interesting when you talk about that, observing the space, because that, I mean, it doesn't have much to do with my book, really, but when you are when you were discussing that in your book, I was thinking, oh, that sounds a lot like permaculture, you know, and the, <laughs> the sort of permaculture design thing of, like, you observe the, the yeah. environment, you look at what it's doing naturally, and then you try to build on that. So, yeah. like, yeah. I, um, but then, you know, from what you're saying, like, maybe there's that element with you know, so like, I guess, non-natural spaces as well, um, because, oh, yeah. you know, in writing about martial arts spaces, like one of the things I was talking about is how it, it takes on a meaning, you know, these gyms, academies, mm-hmm. like they, they take on a meaning because of what people do there, because of the practice that happens there. Um, but then I was also thinking, as you were talking about uh, that, it's a two-way kind of relationship. It's what we do there, but it's what the space gives you. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about how um, the Inosanto Academy, where I trained, used to be an auto body shop. And, um, and it's like, that's one of the things that's so amazing about that space is it's so uh, beautifully developed through all the martial arts practice that's happened there. And there's all this iconography of like, you know, photographs. It's like its own little museum space in a way. But then there's also like these echoes of the auto body shop and of all this sort of... Um, very mechanical labor that happened there with these big pillars and these tall ceilings and, um, you know, the, the way the space is kind of cavernous. And, and so as you were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, there's that element to it, too. It's not just mm-hmm. what people um, do in the space at the moment, but it's the whole history of the space yeah. that makes yeah. it, yeah. you know, what it is and that what yeah. that makes it important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All to do with relationship, right? It's all... Yeah, at true. the bottom yeah. of it all. Yeah, whether it's a space, yeah. with me and the space, or me and you, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's true. Well, um, I don't know if there's much more to go on. We could go on probably forever. Right. <laughs> <But it's laughs> probably good, just... Yes. <laughs> well, this has been fun. And I yes. Hope yes, indeed. Yeah. This is Nadia Natali. I'm finishing up our little uh, talk and uh, this has been wonderful i just reminding you that i wrote a memoir called stairway to paradise growing up gershwin and talking to janet o'shea who wrote risk failure play what dance reveals about martial arts training